Hey, Chris. How you doing? Hey, Stu. Do you know what? Except for melting away from the summer heat, I'm doing okay. How you doing? <laughs> uh, you know what? It's It's been quite an emotional uh, week, actually. Kind of feel like I'm coming out of it now, but I'm really excited today because we have our first guest, Dave. Welcome. We Thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I'm really, really excited. Like we, we, we talked about having a guest, um, and, and just for full disclosure, Dave, you're my sponsor, and uh, and have been ever since I kind of came into SAA, and yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And so when we were kind of talking about this podcast and getting guests on, um, I had in my back of my mind for a long time, I'd love to get you on because you've got, you know, you've had such a powerful message of recovery for me, and uh, been such an instrumental part of my journey and my recovery uh to where i am today and so i'm just i'm just so pleased to have you on the uh on on the on as our first guest is uh yeah i can't believe we're doing it so yeah i'm really pleased yeah thank you for inviting me it's good to be here and good to uh good to meet you chris and good to see you Stu. always yeah Yeah. Uh, and so uh, and and you got a really interesting topic you proposed which I, i just thought was um a really really nice one which is uh emotional sobriety um but maybe just before we kind of get into that, I would love just maybe you could just talk a little bit about your background in recovery, because this is not like we're all in SAA, but you've been in other fellowships and um, also for sex addiction and also other fellowships as well. And you're also active in many other 12 step programs. And so I think you've got a very broad set of experience um, in recovery and maybe just kind of give us a bit of a rundown of what that looks like. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll start by saying, um, yeah, um, there's, there's one thing I'm, 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 I'm not, a, I'm not a guru. I'm not an expert. I'm, 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 I'm any of this stuff. In fact, one thing I am very, very good at is, 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 is suffering and pain <laughs> of myself and others. You know, that, that's one thing I, I can hold the can with, but, um, certainly, um, yeah. Um, I, I, so I'm in, SAA. Uh, I'm a food addict, um, um, and I've been, you know, around a while, um, sober a while. Um, I um, I'm also an alcoholic and been sober a while, and and I'm a codependent as well. So I came into recovery five years ago um, for my for my um, porn addiction, and that's what I thought it was—just a porn addiction—and um, it proved out to be a lot more than that. Mm. Uh, and a lot more was revealed to me as I as I went on the journey. But um, yeah, I, I've there is a fifth fellowship which I'm I'm sort of in and out at the minute uh, around money. Um, but mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, I, I, I'm active in three of the four currently, mm-hmm. and uh, it's quite a lot of work. And um, it's a lot of um, it's been an amazing journey. It's been a it's been a painful journey. But um, yeah, there, there's definitely. All the twelve steps, in my experience, are all very much you know the same steps, but there's definitely there's diff- certainly differences between different me different fellowships, I say. And um, mm. my sponsor, sort of, when I got into recovery, said, "Just go to meetings, go to meetings, and hear hear people's hear people's story," you know. And I, and I have continued to do that. Um, mm. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I, I've got a few uh, a few medals in recovery for 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 for, <laughs> uh, <laughs> for pain and for uh, for different fellowships. Nothing more. Yeah, which 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 was your first which was your first fellowship? Which was the first fellowship SAA. you got into? You actually yeah. got into SAA originally, okay? Because yeah. you also spent some time in SA as well, haven't you? 
Sexology. Yeah, so I was in SA, SAA for two years and then I joined SA for two years and I've been mm. back in SAA for a year. Right. Approximately. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and I've, I've, got, I've got a couple of questions just on this, which is uh, how, do you, how do you manage with sponsors? Like, do you have a sponsor in each of those? You've got one sponsor. How do you transition? Because it's not uncommon for people to come in from AA or NA. And, and, and I've also heard fellows say, oh, their sponsor in AA or NA just says, oh, just treat sex addiction as just a defect. And that doesn't seem to work for a lot of people. They, they have to kind of come to a dedicated fellowship for it because it's very powerful. Um, and there are some kind of pros and cons about having multiple sponsors with different steps and or just switching into an SAA sponsor. Like, how, how, do you, how has that worked out for you? How did, how did you kind of square that circle? Um, yeah, I, it's a really good, it's a really good question. And, and I imagine it might be different for different people. Um, so I, I, I guess I can only talk from my own experience and my, my own experience is I've got a, an SAA sponsor. I've got a, um, a food sponsor and I've got a coder sponsor. Um, I don't have an AA sponsor because a lot of the work I do in, in the, in the other fellowships is from the AA big book anyway. Um, so, um, I've never had an AA sponsor. Um, I've only ever been to six AA meetings actually, but I am an alcoholic, definitely an alcoholic. And my step nine told me that my step mm-hmm. eight list, sorry, told me that, um, in terms of, um, how that works for me, it's, um, it's really nice actually, because if it's, if it's a food issue, I go to my, my, my food sponsor, if it's a, if it's a lust and a, and a sex issue and a, and a fantasy issue, then I'll go to my my SAA sponsor. And if it's a, a relationships issue, I go to my CODA sponsor. So it's quite, yeah, it, it's quite a defined um, type of sponsorship, really. And it's 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 great because my CODA sponsor isn't a sex addict, so he doesn't understand things about being triggered and surrender in in terms yeah. of you know lust or whatever. He doesn't understand that. So. Um, but I'd imagine that other people might have sponsors who were also in the same fellowships as them and therefore they could sponsor them in all three or four, whatever it may be, or, or two. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's very clear for me who I need to go to. The only time it gets a little bit, there's a bit of crossover is sometimes I, I say things to my, my, my SAA sponsor and also my CODA sponsor because my SAA sponsor has known me for five years, but it's, it can be a CODA sort of matter. So I'll speak to both of them, mm. actually. I'll speak to both of them. And I find that my CODA sponsor tends to add something different than my SAA sponsor around relationships. So, yeah, mm. there's, there's a little bit of intertwine because I'm not just a sex addict. I'm a, I'm a romanticist and, I, and, and I'm a, you know, I romanticize. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, 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 that can kind of cross over into relationships rather than just a purely physical type of thing. So there is some crossover, definitely. But generally, it's pretty clear cut for me and um all three are amazing and um i'm really grateful for them you know um my my, my, my food sponsor's not hands-on at all because i've actually well yeah he's not hands-on um my coder sponsor says when when you've got a, a, a coder issue ring me and my saa sponsor i ring him i speak to him once a week and then when i've got big stuff going on i'll i'll, I'll send him a message and we'll speak yeah um but it's 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 I can't just rely on my sponsor. It's it's about a fellowship, you know. Of, of, of it's about for me. It's about a wider fellowship, and um, I, w- I was sort of advised when I got into recovery to make to to speak to two fellows every day. And over over five years, you, you know, you can kind of get friendships with people, and um, 
it's it's a lot of a lot of things I, I a lot of fellows I speak to I, I speak to fellows more than I do my sponsors now and um, and they speak to me as well and it's lovely it's a wonderful thing um, I do I'm, I'm interested because a lot of people coming into recovery they kind of marry their first their first fellowship so you got people in AA they will stick to AA for years and decades and then same for SA SA NA you name it but What's something that you got out of, or how did you know it was right for you to actually go into other fellowships? I know that for myself that I, I came into the SA, but I realized on the back end that you know what, drinking and drugs doesn't help SA, doesn't help my sexual journey at all. Actually, it harms a lot of other areas as well. So I could go into it, but I haven't because SA has been able to like untangle a lot of the stuff I had on inside. So how did you know it was kind of right for you that I need specific fellowships for these other things? Like, <laughs> that makes sense? Yeah, thank you, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I was shown through rock bottoms in that particular area, you know. So I, I wasn't able to get sober sexually in SAA. Um, I was technically sober, but I wasn't able to find recovery. And, and for me, there is a difference. Um until I got sober in in in, um, in in AA, you know, um, until I stopped drinking, because when I was drinking, it was all you know, all systems go, everything yeah. everything was off, you know, and um, so once I'd, I'd stopped drinking, um, I then um, realised that um, the food became an issue, and and all all in the background, I was technically sober in SAA for a year for five months. But I, I was still, you know, white knuckling it really. And my sponsor, who's now a sponsor again in the food, said, "Dave, get 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 sober in food," because he he wasn't able to get sober sexually until he got sober in his food addiction, you know. And he didn't realise he was a food addict, but he, he he is. And he got sober in his food, and then he got sober sexually, and that's what happened to me. Um, regarding, do you, the, do you think they're chained? Do you think their chain linked them by the sounds of it is that you're like, yeah. you have a, like a, maybe a keystone, which is you can do a lot of work, but unless you unlock yeah. your key or your core addiction, then you're just going to keep relapsing and it, it's, it's yeah. coming out in other areas. Is, is that kind of what it was? Yeah. Yeah. So some people say it's like um, a whack-a-mole and you know, you, you whack one down another <laughs> one comes up and, 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 and I remember someone saying a while ago, is it, is it, is it just too much, you know, all these new addictions. And, and what I've found is that, they've always been there they were just obscured so i was always a food addict you know put the put the alcohol down you're not getting all that sugar from alcohol otherwise all of a sudden you want to eat loads of sugar you know and and um and i was always codependent i'd always struggled around my people pleasing and self-loathing and boundaries and all that so yeah it's um i i i was shown last year in in january when I when I got very codependent with my at the time my wife and um, you know I was in a bad way and it showed me right you need to get to code mate because you're making this woman your higher power and I, and I had yeah maybe eighteen months sobriety then fifteen months sobriety in SAA you know and, and recovery not just white knuckling it but recovery and I hit a rock bottom in coder so it wasn't like oh, okay that one's done now well, let's go over to this one I, I was brought to my knees each time and shown what I needed to do next and. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was um, a lot of pain, but wow, I'm so grateful for all of them, you know. How really. do you survive all that pain emotionally? Because I, I mean, I'm thinking of my own journey. One rock bottom was painful enough, and here you are now with, it sounds like a few under your belt. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can laugh now, right? But, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah the pain. I, I didn't laugh for a long time, you know. Um, yeah, you, you know, I'm not going to lie. There was part of me as the, as another rock bottom hit thinking, well, come on, man. Like, you know, I'm doing everything I can. I'm working my program. I'm living this program. I'm, I'm, I'm of service. I'm not just sponsoring. I'm doing other things. And, you know, I'm doing the steps. I've got a sponsor. I've got sponsees. What, why are you giving me this now? You know, why this other thing? It's too much. It's, it's just too much. And, and I think it's okay for me to, 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 to be like that, but it's not okay for me to harbor those feelings and go into self-pity. It's okay for me to acknowledge, Ooh, wow, this, I've got to work on this. Um, so once I'd, once I'd kind of accepted that, okay, I'll crack on now. Then I was okay with it, but there was, there was some self-pity. There was some despair, you know, cause who wants to have to work another program? I mean, not, I, I certainly didn't, you know, but yeah. I, it showed me that I needed to and, and having worked that program and continuing to it's, um, that area is so much better. You know, it's just miles better in 18 months. So yeah, but it was, it's tough. It's tough, but thankfully there's something better because otherwise if I'm in that mindset for too long, that negative mindset, I'll eventually start lusting or, or, um, or fantasizing and I'll eventually act out. It's just, just how I'm programmed. And, and it will always be the sex first, not the food or alcohol. It will be just the sex first. That's what will happen for me. It's the strongest one. And I think maybe there's a correlation between food and sex addiction as well for, because it's, um, it's, it's a, um, a human thing to, to want to eat and want to procreate. Um, but my, my, my addict walks that stuff, you know, and, uh, mm. you know, I have to have five chocolate bars, not one. And I have to, you know what I mean? You get the gist. Yeah, it's, there, it's there does seem to be something between, uh, as you say, kind of food and, and sex that, yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of built into our neurology that like our, our DNA is human beings. Um, okay. We can, we don't have to have sex, but food, you, you do have to food. You're going to die if you don't eat. So, uh, and there is a, it seems like there's a bit of a difference between, um, alcoholism and drugs, um, that, and I've not suffered from substance addiction. Um, but certainly other people in fellowship have said, you know, actually I, I found it and it's a relative scale because um, all these journeys are hard, but, you know, I found alcohol and drugs easier to kick than say something like a, a sex addiction or something that was more behavioral. Uh, and particularly when you've got something like food as well, where you, you've got to eat, you can't just stop feeding. Is, is, has that been your experience? Mm -hmm. It has, it has to. Yeah, definitely. I, I, um, I speak to, you know, and I've heard in meetings how you can, you know, people in AA have got 40 years of AA sobriety and they can't get sober, they can't get sexually sober, you know, and it, and, and it's not like a one-off isolated thing. It, it's almost like they have to, it's almost like they have to start again in their recovery in this area. And I think there's a lot of, you know, 40 years being sober, you, you're probably like a, you know, not like a God in AA, but do you know what I mean? You, you're kind of one of the elders, one of the old timers, and you come into another program for sex addiction and it's like, you're literally like a newcomer and it's mm -hmm. a real ego basher. It's a real bring down. And, and, and yeah, it, it, it is, I've seen a lot of people uh, and in my own experience as well. I, I put the alcohol down and it was compared to, to, to this addiction. It, it was, it was, you know, it was taken away immediately alcohol. This wasn't taken away immediately. Mm -hmm. This, the temptation's always there. I probably had three right. temptations of alcohol in four years since I've been sober. Right. And it's a lot more with this stuff in SAA. So it, it, it is it is different. Um, it really is. And it's a lot more, 
it's a lot more surrender and it's not just daily it's sometimes hourly because uh i i can trigger my allergy by a by a memory whereas i have to i have to physically take alcohol to to start my allergy you know and i can do that from a memory or a, a dream with 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 the saa stuff so it's very 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 powerful but yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of work. Well, you 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 touched on I think probably the main topic of this kind of podcast, which was about um, sobriety, and I think what you're really referring to is like an emotional sobriety because you talked about you know getting sober, but you you really struggled to have that you know recovery. Uh, you, you know, and as we talk about the difference between abstinence and recovery, and and, and what does what does that mean for you? Because this is something that you know I was exposed to. I'm very grateful I was exposed to very early on in my recovery journey, you know, through our interactions. And I, I don't think I got it initially. And then as I started to get into recovery, it's like, okay, now well, I, abstinence came first and then recovery comes because you can't have recovery without abstinence, I don't feel. But what 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 is what is the distinction in your mind? How would you characterize the two? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for, for me, I, I have to be sober to, to have any chance of finding recovery, first of all. You know, I have to be, have to be sober. But just just not engaging in my drug of choice, which is masturbation or pornography or whatever it might be, that isn't enough to to find recovery for me. So so recovery is about um, behaving in a different way and living living in a different way. And and I can't that 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 does not come from me. That comes through me by working the steps and by working with a lot of people uh, and and asking for an awful lot of help. And um, so how that would look would be recovery today. You know, sobriety looks like I don't, this is just me, I don't masturbate, I don't watch pornography. I'm very, very careful on social media in terms of, um, um, you know, what I watch on there. Um, And although something did creep in today, which we talked about, Stu, um, but it wasn't a sexual thing, but it's still still there. and, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't engage in, in, in lustful conversations or, or innuendos or like I used to. And when I do, I tell on myself because I did it on Friday actually at work and I told on myself and I let somebody know. So that, that's, that's one way. That's, that's part of my staying sober. The, the, the recovery side is um, working the steps with a sponsor um, taking, taking suggestions um, and really um wanting to help people not because i'm um i'm, I'm a martyr or not because i'm, I'm some, I, I feel like i want to save people but because i i, I know that i'm really i'm really selfish i'm still really selfish i'm really wrapped up in my own stuff and um every day i i work on trying to give something back and forward on something that's been given to me and 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 and, and as i do more of that you know little little things i do little thing good things i do for people or that I don't get found out with you know, is great. Now I can, I can, I have to be very careful that my ego doesn't come in and start saying, Oh, you know, I did this and you know, Oh, I'm going to minute. That's, that's, that's switched over to ego, but doing things and not getting found out like the blue thinks the blue card or the white, yeah, the blue card, I think, um, or the white card says, but it, it's also about, um, you know, when I, when I, when I'm, when I'm dishonest with something, then, then, then letting my sponsor know it. It's about when I've got shame, checking that shame in and not 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 building it up in my mind and it, it's really about um it's a it's a whole psychic change as described in the big book and that 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 is it cannot i cannot do that myself that comes through really hitting some rock bottoms and saying higher power universe 
do what do what you need to do please i just want to get well you know and so it's kind of it's a new way of living i guess uh, and and it's not just it's not just abstaining from all of those things it's it's living in a new way and doing it far from perfectly wow absolutely far from perfectly but but thinking differently and, and wanting to help others has been the biggest benefit of, of, of recovery for me um I've, I've white knuckled it and you know what I'd, I'd rather just act out than white knuckle it. it's a horrendous existence it's like being a living dead it's horrible yeah it's horrible, yeah, it's horrible. And, and i wouldn't sort of <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't sort of promote either to anybody i'm just saying in my own experience it's, it's just horrible so i'm grateful to be in recovery today but i've I've got work to do daily and that's okay by me. I'm still a sex addict and always will be. It's fascinating. You, you talk about that too, because I remember last fall, I've, I've been in recovery for a few months and the first sponsor I had, a, or attempt sponsor was like, you're going to do 90, 90 days. And you kind of, you're going to white knuckle it for 90 days. You're going to reset your head a bit, uh, which I, in hindsight, I can see why, but throughout the fall, I said, this is tough. Nothing's working. I'm sitting every single day thinking about yeah. going to watch important or masturbate. Every single day, this is what I'm fighting. So I spoke to Stu, I think, early winter last year, and he was like, no, no, no. Sobriety is different from abstinence. Do you not know? And I was like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> this sounds silly. And it's, as, as he kind of explained it, it kind of dawned on me that, holy shit, this journey is much longer than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just, you're going to stop for a while and then kind of like with alcohol and drugs, they were easy to put down. You just don't do it. I got, I got to go and buy a bottle. But as you said, like you just have a dream and then suddenly you're sitting in your addiction. Yeah. And, but how do you deal with the mental aspect of this journey is now so much longer when you realize actually emotional sobriety is a life, kind of a lifetime endeavor, isn't it? In many ways. How does, how do you sit with that? Because I sometimes find that to sound incredibly long. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things there, um, Chris. I, I, I think um, for me, if my step, if my step one is is a hundred percent, and I admit I'm powerless and my life's unmanageable, then it kind of it makes it a little bit easier to know that this is what I'm going to be doing for my days to come. Um, also, just to keep it in the day as well, like you know, that one day at a time. I mean, we all hear that so many times, but there's, it's it's probably the most you know, it's this. It, it's the most one of the most important messages. You know, and I, and and I don't always do it myself. Sometimes I can go off into the future, but when I when I when I just live one day at a time, I, I, it's, it's it's kind of irrelevant what I'm going to do tomorrow because I don't know if I'm going to be sober tomorrow. I don't. I, I can. I can. I'll do everything I can to be sober today and be in recovery today, and it, and that and that helps me because, you know, if I thought about never having sugar again for the rest of my life or never, you know, whatever it might be, it's a big thing to deal with. So. I don't give myself that option. I just cut it down and say, today, I'll do what I need to do. And um, yeah, some days are easier than others. But, um, you know, I, I was chatting to my girlfriend and, she, you know, and my, my ex-wife is a real planner. She plans everything. And, and I am so grateful that my girlfriend just doesn't plan anything. And we, we don't plan anything. And, and I think I've taken the, you know, one day at a time, literally. And, and I, I kind of, I've taken it too much. I need to start planning now because I've, you know, going on holidays together and taking the kids away. You know, and uh, but I'm literally like I don't even have any goals <laughs> because I'm sort of I'm one day at a time, and may maybe maybe it's okay to have a little bit of that a bit more. But uh, you know, I I am very much in today, and uh, it, it's just how I how I deal with things, I guess. So uh, there's loads of varies for work. There really is, but um, that's how I kind of that helps me those those sort of things. I wanted just to circle back a little bit. Um on the 
joining SAA, going to SAA, coming back to SAA. I wanted to pick up on that because I didn't know that. I thought you joined SAA and then came to SAA. Um, so, so what happened? What, 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 what drove you to leave SAA in the first place? And then what caused you to um, make a decision to come back to this particular fellowship that, you know, the, the three of us are in? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, the reason I left SAA the first time was that I, 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 I got periods of sobriety, like I mentioned earlier, but I was just, I was just, my head was gone. You know, I was just constantly scanning, constantly fantasizing. It, it was horrendous. And my sponsor said to me, Dave, we can keep working together or maybe maybe it might be worth finding another way. You know, and he wasn't kicking me out. He just said it might be worth finding another way, someone else who can help you where I, where I can't. And um, so I, I'd, I'd started attending SA meetings and I really, really related with, with what they call lust, you know, which is kind of almost kind of like fantasy. You know, it's that... They say in essay that we're not we're not sex addicts. We're addicted to lust, and when when lust is engaged, the 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 aftermath of that you know is is then the, is then the acting out sexually. But we're at, I'm actually you know I'm actually addicted to the high, to the chemical rush, to the chase, to the to the build up. That's lust, you know. And um, I really resonated with that, and it was it was a wonderful two years. I, I, I had a sponsor throughout. I had a couple of sponsors actually, and. Um, they, they really showed me how to surrender my disease, which is fantasy. I was constantly mm. in fantasy. And it wasn't just sexual fantasies. It was being powerful, being successful, being, mm. you know, uh, lusted after. It was all these things. And they, they showed me how to how to dry out from, 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 from lust and fantasy. And what happened was I was in the program for a couple of years and I met somebody and we... We we were in we were in a um, committed relationship. Now in SA, you have to be married yeah. to have any relations, and yeah. I, I had you know we were intimate. We were together, and um, I went to an old timer's house. He, there was about thirty of us, and it was a wonderful weekend. But I was told that I I wasn't sober, which I knew in SA, and I was told to I need to get back on the horse, you know. And I was thinking, oh, I don't feel like I'm falling off the horse. I feel in a yeah. good place, you know, like. I'm not, you know, I'm not sleeping around. I'm not having one night stands. This is a committed relationship, but I wasn't sober in that fellowship. And it, and I've been, for a while, it had felt a little bit religious for me. I've been married twice. I don't want to get mm. married again. So I, I could never be sober in SA, you know, and, yeah. um, and I, I just. Well, unless, unless you spent the rest of your life being single. Exactly. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and that didn't feel like recovery either. You know, I, I didn't mm. feel like my higher power wanted that for me. You know, he wanted mm. me to. To, to learn how to love someone without the fantasies and lust. And um, so I, I, I left, but I left really nicely. I still speak to a number of my old friends. And it was under the guidance of my sponsor as well. I don't make big decisions without my sponsor, you know, because I can't trust my head. Well, I was, I was <laughs> so, just going to ask you that. I've just, you know, saying, hey, I, you guys say I'm, I'm not sober. I feel I'm sober. I'm going to leave. You know, that, that does yeah. seem like an addict type thing. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. interesting oh, how yeah. you've done that. You discussed with your you know your sponsor around it and absolutely yeah 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 and it was over a period of time as well you know and mm. and uh you know he 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 sort of he felt that i needed to serve in that fellowship because that fellowship got me sober and i found recovery in that fellowship and mm. he he didn't want me to come back to saa until i'd served and given back given something back and he was right you know but i was yeah. i was resentful for that because i just wanted to really? switch over but i took <laughs> i took directions you know and um and he was he was right my my ego was and my my addict was getting frustrated but 
the recovery part of me knew he, he was he, he was he was guiding me correctly you know um he, he yeah he's got no interest in guiding my life but he, he, he is responsible as he says for guiding my me spiritually you know he's got no interest in what i'm having for dinner but when it comes <laughs> to making decisions around lust and sex and and program then then you know that's that's kind of his guidance there and, and i love that i love that 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 i have to say that is one of the things that i have really valued in um our relationship uh which, which you know i was introduced to you know pretty early on was this idea of lust and you know that phrase i think you used of drying out from lust um and i'm just you know reflecting on what you were saying earlier around kind of first you know first time into saa you know couldn't kind of quite maintain it and still kind of you know acting out and things like that and it was hard to kind of stay sober and emotionally sober and also you know stay abstinent and it it does you know it's often i hear around there's often a lot of debate particularly in essay because we don't have this very specific set of bottom lines you get to choose your own there's there's some pros and cons with that like on the pro side is that you get to choose a set of recovery that is right for a particular individual I guess the the challenge with it is that you open the door even just a little bit for your addict to creep in. It's like, well, is masturbation fine? Is it okay? Are like these dating apps okay? And it allows, I think, you to play the addict to play in the margins. So, um, so in in some respects, I think, and I found this is actually having a slightly stricter set of bottom lines. Even though I think I'm going to be slipping more, actually helped me. It did. It didn't. It didn't mean I slipped more. Actually, I was able to stay sober, and I was actually able to drive for lust and, and get recovery because I wasn't playing in the margins anymore. But I actually you, found it helped me. Yeah. Have you also noticed that actually, the more sober you get, the more defined your bottom lines become? Like you don't really know them until you're sober. For example, say the masturbation thing. Do you really know why that's bad for you until you're sober and you see it in the hindsight? Be like, oh, that's exactly why that yeah, doesn't help that's me. That's a very good point. It's <laughs> a very good point. So, so I'm not you... seeing straight when I'm when I'm drunk in lust. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting point, that Chris. It's um, the, the masturbation thing. Yeah, you know, I, I I tried all sorts under the guidance of my sponsor, and uh, I, I just couldn't see. I just couldn't see, and I, I learned that for me. It's uh, I'm in a committed relationship. I just save all my sexual energy for my partner, and 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 that feels like recovery, you know. And but yeah, I the 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 middle circle for me is an extremely um, uh, simple but complex thing. It's simple. It's quite simple at, at at first because it's you know it's the danger areas. But as I as I go on the road of recovery, I find that it's not just um, visual, visual triggers and visual stimulation that I that I used to put in my middle circle. It's a lot of emotional things. So, if, for example, if I have an argument with my mum, and I don't, I don't, I don't check that in, or I don't do a step ten around it, then then I can get into a real emotional disturbance. And I, I, how how do I deal with that stuff? Eventually, I act out. That's how I deal. That's how I've always dealt with it. And um, so, a lot of things in my middle circle have been revealed to me um, by by my own experiences really you know it, it started off very small and, and it's got a lot a lot wider my, my middle circle and certainly my my inner circle as well has got a lot wider you know um my sponsor said at first just put the things in your inner circle that that, that bring you shame start with those ones and then and then it all sort of expand out but yeah and this is why i think we i need a sponsor because i i just 
my head will tell me one thing and my sponsor will be like, he'll, he'll, he'll chat for five minutes and it's like, everything's 4180. And it's like, how did I not see that? But that's why I need a sponsor. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's a very, 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 very powerful relationship for me. And um, it's a very important one. You know, this guy knows more about me than, than my best friend. And um, it's a really important relationship, I'd say, sponsorship. That that's probably might be for another topic another time, but yeah. I, I do definitely want us to have a session on sponsoring, um, for sure. Uh, so, so middle circle, you touched on something really interesting here around emotional stuff rather than kind of concrete specific things. Cause, cause that, uh, you know, I, I've, I've started to, to to identify more and more with that, which is, you know, initially drafting up my middle circle, it was, you know, don't go to these parts of town, looking at certain types of media, which might be kind of provocative or kind of like triggering, even though it's not, you know, it's not really porn or whatever it is. It's, it's in that kind of triggering or explicit, you know, I'm, I'm indulging my addict, right? Um, I, you know, he's, he's not, he's not having a bottle of whiskey, but he's having a little shandy or something like that. It's just getting a little kick, yeah. a little kick, a little bit of this is just okay. Um, but it's not really, cause it all gets banked up and it doesn't, you know, all know it doesn't end there. It, that's where it starts. Not, not, that's not where it ends. And then, um, I, I think actually one of the, one of the nice things about the, the program that the way that you run it is, um, with, with me has been, uh, to do, you introduced me to a step 10 process very, very long. I was nowhere near step 10. I don't think I'd done even done step four, but I was having a lot of emotional difficulties, you know, and one of the things actually of getting abstinent and drying out is you start to feel shit. <laughs> like, and, and you start to feel shit and you start to feel shit uh, as in, you know, like all, all the stuff that's happened and you, a lot of emotional things that I wasn't dealing or using my addiction to deal with. I'm not, they haven't gone away, you know, they, they were there before I got into addict, you know, it started to build an addictive pattern. That's why I built an addictive pattern because I didn't have good ways of dealing with it. And so if I take away the addictive pattern, those things are still there, surprise, surprise, and I've still got to deal with them. And, um, and, and so these emotional things kind of came up and, you know, you introduced me, you know, to the step 10 tool, which is kind of like a mini kind of steps one to one, one to nine in uh in a, in a more condensed form i feel really and i i i feel that has been an incredibly powerful thing that has kept me kept me on the path of kept me on the on the road of sobriety because without that i i just don't know how i'd have been dealing with these things and in fact you know I, i'm going to be doing a step 10 over this weekend because we were chatting earlier so th they never stop really but um this this m emotional middle circle of emotional disturbances like how how core is that to you in your program and how influential do you think it is in terms of keeping sobriety yeah i, I, I was just reflecting on it actually just now as you were speaking Stu, and um for me it's um when i'm in middle circle i've taken my first drink i've already taken my first drink oh, you know and and mm. and that's like woof. If, if I'm powerless over, over lust or sex addiction and I've already taken my first drink, I'm in danger. You know, I, I guess when I first got into recovery, I kind of looked at the middle circle as sort of like a bit of a safety net. Like, it's all right. And now it's like, uh, get the hell out of there. Uh, <laughs> it, interesting. Because I'm engaged. I'm in the, you know, the bubble in all this you truly describes the bubble and, you know, being uh, in, in that trance-like state. And so, yeah, I really see it as, as the first drink now. And I've not thought of that before, just, just in terms of the big book terms, you know, um, yeah, it's extremely important because I'm 
still uh, a very you know i i probably stopped maturing about age seven or eight you know um career-wise okay and other things but actually emotionally i just stopped maturing at maybe seven or eight so i came into recovery as a 38 year old man in a seven year old you know 38 year old body and seven year old you know inside like and um so so i i i i wasn't able to deal with anything I was I was great if all life was going good, but as soon as I had an argument with someone, or as soon as my my missus looked at me, you know, in a in a in an unusual way, or as soon as something came up at work, I couldn't deal with it. I just I just fell apart and I went out and acted out over it. And so so what this emotional sobriety, how that's relevant, is is by doing a step ten and by putting things in my middle circle and them being defined. I can see where 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 I'm in the danger zone and. I can be more aware of them. So when they do come up, I know straight away I can check them in, you know. And that's step 10 for me. I know an old-timer in SA, and he's he's been sober since 94, so I don't know what that is, but we'll, we'll say, th- is it 30 years, 20, 29 years? It might be. might be wrong. Is it 29 years? 29. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. A long time. And he, he said two things to me. He said, Dave, old-timers go to conventions, and old-timers do step 10s, you know. I mean, he does a load of service as well. You know, I can't mm-hmm. not mention the service, but, and he showed me a step 10 in a workshop and wow, um, I can now deal with emotional disturbances in a different way. And um, before that, I just crumbled. I just can't, I can't deal with them. I can't deal with them. I go round and round, I get resentful, I get shameful. I, eventually I act out because I have to numb the pain. And he showed me how to um, start to respond and not react. By, by by doing a written inventory and sharing it with somebody and asking somebody do they have any suggestions and it's it's like wow you know and somebody asked me a while ago I did a workshop on it in 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 this fellowship sorry in SAA and and one of the guys asked me um but doesn't it doesn't it just like feel like a lot of work doing this and I and I said well what I've found is that I could ruminate and get angrier and angrier for weeks you know whereas it only takes me twenty minutes to do a step ten so it's can you know I can either have 20 minutes of, of emotional disturbance or three weeks of emotional disturbance. I'll go for the 20 minutes, thanks. You know what I mean? So it, it kind of, it doesn't feel like work. You know, I don't always want to do one when I've been emotionally disturbed. It's not like, okay, but but I do it because it's my medicine. Uh, and and it's a huge part of my, my emotional sobriety because I can't deal with that stuff without this. I, I, I crumble still now and it's, nothing's changed. If I don't do these actions... I still crumble when 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 big emotional things happen and I'm the same. So um, I just take my medicine, whether I like it or not, I do it. It's great, yeah. Tim. I think you've given me the perfect segue into the question I want to ask you here. Um, firstly, it's I'm glad you kind of acknowledged the fact that we're all probably a little bit emotionally immature, that we're underdeveloped, that we don't know how to handle life. Because overall, when you look in recovery, that is probably true. Something happens and we deal with it in the most unhealthy ways. Um but I've heard Stu talk about a step 10 for weeks. And for whatever reason, I've never asked him, what is the step 10? I think he's even sent me a step 10. I just just remember, yeah, I think it's in our WhatsApp chat somewhere. I have. I have. Just there for the go. record. Just all the, re- <laughs> all the listeners know, I have. <laughs> um, I was sitting here thinking, do you know what? I should probably check that out. Uh, <laughs> but what is a step 10? Because it's, as you said, that is key and crucial to you staying emotionally sober. For anyone out there, if they want to sort of try and copy your September, what does it look like? Yeah, so it's um, it's seven columns basically, um, and the first column is is who, so you know, 
who, who, why am I emotionally disturbed? Who is it aimed at? And the second column is what happened. And, and this, we have to be very, very careful not to write war and peace. It's, it's very straight to the point. You know, I think it's, I think it's something like in, in a step four in the big book, something like 28 words or something like that. And it's, it get to the point because what we, what we don't want to do here is feed this resentment. We just want to get to the facts. What happened? Yeah. And then in column three is what feelings are going on. And within those feelings, there's the seven feelings. It's fear, anger, shame, pain, numb, guilt, and sadness. So I'll say that slower. So it's guilt, fear, pain, numb, sadness, shame, and yeah, what was the other one? <laughs> I did say it first time around. You did. Guilt, was it? Um, Resentment? Guilt, I think it is, or, guilt, sh or yeah. shame. Um, so there's, there's seven feelings. So what am I feeling now? And then in the fourth column is the is the shortcomings column. I prefer to use shortcomings rather than defects now, and and that's because I've done some work in another fellowship. But do you hear that I, more and more in more fellowships that people start to actually also acknowledge it? You know, a shortcoming. No, defects is a nice word. Let's just call it shortcomings yeah. instead. Yeah, I, I I think because we you know I I think there's in there's there's a lot of shame around this particular addiction and a lot of self loathing for me, and there has been a lot of. Um, pointing the finger and putting myself down and I'm like, I'm not defected, but I've got shortcomings I need to work on. And it just feels a bit more loving for me, you know? Um, so I've, I've got a list of over probably 200 defects or shortcomings. Um, and then, I mean, that's your so lifetime right endeavor, all, isn't it? That's, that's work uh, for a yeah, lifetime. Well, <laughs> yeah. That, that, they're not going to go, you know, they're not going to go away in one fell swoop. That's for sure. But I, I go through the list and I just write, it goes from A to Z and I write down all of my, all of my shortcomings in that column four. Next to each shortcoming is, is, uh, is an asset. So I just write the corresponding asset. And these are the really important columns. The column six is harm done. What harm has been done? Sometimes it's to myself. Often it's to others. So I need to write down, not, not what I think my addict wants. Well, they did this, they did that. No, what was, what was my part? What was my part? My side of the street, what did I do? I write that down. And then in, in column seven, it's um, the amends. What amends is due? You know, if I've shouted and screamed at someone, I need to make amends for that. If I've been passively aggressive with someone, I need to make amends with that. You know, if, if, I've, if I've berated myself and shamed myself, I need to make amends to myself and be more loving to myself. But I, I then share it with, with a step 10 partner and I ask that step 10 partner, are there any other suggestions you can make in step seven? Because sometimes I'm that angry and I'm that emotionally charged. I don't always see what other amends I can do because I'm still thinking I want to blame the other one because it was his fault. He did that to me and and I'm learning that isn't that isn't recovery. It's about yeah. my part. So that's what I do. And it's 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 saved my sobriety on many occasions, honestly. It, it's, it's literally saved my sobriety because... It's a very, very powerful thing, and um, and just sharing it with somebody, this diffuses me. This brings all of those emotions into black and white form, and it takes the head noise, takes the washing machine head away. It's, it's a very, very powerful process, and um, you know, I don't know whether I'm, I'm, I'd be happy to. If anyone wanted any details on it, okay. I'm happy to share it because it's been a very, very important thing, and um, I, I, I love step tens, and um, it's without step tens, I'm, I'm dead meat. Seriously, I'm back in my addict. I can't deal with life without step tens. They're that important. They're, they're really powerful. I, mm -hmm. I found them really, really powerful. And, and that piece of sharing, actually, yeah. with I think, and the number of times, you know, I think it probably 
it probably gets easier maybe as you kind of go along and the more you do them it gets yeah. they get a little bit easier but i think you're always subject to just being blind you, you can't see yourself properly sometimes and no. the number of times i've gone I, I i don't know what i'm i've got no idea here and i have to go dave like you're saying you, you go well hey Stuart, how about you did this and you know <laughs> oh yeah and like you know i remember in fact actually now i remember one where i um um you, you know i, I got really really angry at my uh, at my ex-wife because um she she told one of her friends that i you know that i cheated and um i was very early on in recovery i felt very fragile and the shame was huge it was absolutely huge of just like these are people we know they're joint they're shared friends um they're going to be talking badly about me like the it, the the shame was just like i've been exposed i've been seen for who i really am it was it was horrible absolutely horrible and i was livid at her like you know she's threatened my sobriety and i'm laughing now because how stupid is this thinking but you know and, and like and you just and i was just like you know i can't see what harm i've done yeah i did shout and then you you looked at it and went uh well, well you, you did cheat didn't you Stuart? and i'm like <laughs> oh yeah that oh, yeah. harm that one oh yeah it's like it's like what I, and you know i'm laughing not not because of what i've done but just how how Silly blind is, right? how, yeah how how just how could i not see that like it's just ridiculous that i could not see that because i'm just lost in myself and so that sharing has just been really helpful like it's it's i you know i i think it's like anything you bring it into the light you share in the meetings it's but otherwise you're harboring secrets and you're only as sick as, sick as your secrets. And then the other piece I think is just writing it down. Um, the amount of stuff I can hold in my head is really, really limited. I, I can hold a couple of things. And as soon as I bring something in, something else gets squashed out. And I, and I do what you're talking about, Dave, I, I circle and I circle and I just go round and round and round and round and I don't get anywhere, write it down. And suddenly I can start to get more out and and get a clearer picture of it. And I, you know, you see that in step fours, you see that in step nines. It is, I think the actually writing this stuff down is a very, very powerful tool, much, much more. And I don't want to do it. I want to keep it all on my head and try and figure it out in my head, but actually writing it down and giving up the power of that to a group or a collective conscience or whoever it is to actually, I don't have to solve this in my head. Mm. It's not my normal style of way of doing things, it's, but it's really powerful. Yeah, yeah. I think when when um, when I'm emotionally disturbed, my defects are out in big time, and I know that my defects are going to take me down. That they're the things that are blocking my higher power in my recovery, and and they're the things. If I'm engaged in them for too long, I will eventually act out because I can't I can't be dancing around in my defects for too long without being swept back into my my addiction. It's just how it is for me. So yeah, I think the well, yeah yeah, and no, I was I was just going to say I th I think you're you're touching on such an important point here, which is um you know we, we all kind of come into this program because we we want to stop the behavior right which is the symptom but the actual cause is the emotional difficulties the lack of you know for want of a better phrase maturity or the lack of um uh emotional growth and our skill set to be able to handle very intense unpleasant emotions um and that is that is the core of this like that that's what that's what i feel this program is it's it's why we have surrender it's why we have trust in our higher power it's why we call fellows it's it, the, there's so much in this program which is about not you trying to sort it out by yourself which is trying to control life and everything that throws at you and the feelings that creates inside it's it's giving that up and connecting out and and i think this is this is such an important part of it 
It isn't. Great. I mean, <laughs> some some of the stuff you're talking about, there's those uh, just important to highlight is learned behavior, say, from when we were kids, right? Say say you had some trauma happen, whatever, but you have these learned behaviors that it's not necessarily you can't deal with the emotion. So you have a go-to response to an emotion. Could that be shutting down? Could that be tuning out all emotions? You don't know what's going on now. You've Effectively, you're acting on something you don't know what you're acting on. And it, it's quite fascinating through a program when you start to pick apart yourself and you start to actually say, no, actually, when I do get really stressed or I do get really sad or I do get really angry, especially for me, like I can shut down different parts of myself, which means that I don't hear all of myself, which means that I actually don't know what's going on anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's, uh, it's very, very complex, isn't it? it I, I look back at my childhood and may, maybe things served me when I was younger and, and I, I learned to deal with certain things in a certain way, whether it was being quiet and, and it was interesting what you say there, Chris. I, I went to um, some trauma therapy, some EMDR therapy last, last year or the year before. And she, she said that I had like a fragmented personality. Um, basically, the bits were all over the place. And, and she, she asked me to, um, she did some hypnotherapy with me and she asked me to sit down and, and, and invite Dave when he was six years old and invite Dave when he was 11 years old and invite Dave when he was 21 years old and 30 years old because these were all times which were quite traumatic times for me in my life and invite them in and talk to them and wow it was like you know what would you say to Dave who's six years old now looking at those you know those case catalogs you know you know at six years old lusting over girls and women in case catalogs at six and what would you say to him now and it was like it really, it really helped me sort of um, learn about myself a bit more. I'm still all over the place, but it, but it definitely, it kind of brought those different fragments together a little bit more. Um, a bit more integrated. Yeah. And, and not, so not, powerful, not yeah. pieces that are stuck and siloed, perhaps. When yeah, you exactly. say that, Dave, my wife yeah. sometimes also points out that like six-year-old Chris is now stressed. She, she'll call me out on it because it's that <laughs> irrational little kid in me like, I'm having a tantrum now, except I'm almost 30 and it doesn't look as cute does, as it did when I was six. Does that comment help though? Does it help? Do you, do you feel? Well, <laughs> just go, yeah, let's, look, off. <laughs> let's look at it as a growth opportunity, right? Can I sit in that comment without <laughs> getting even more <laughs> aggy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think, I think many, may, maybe many of us are adult children, you know? I know I am. I'm an adult child and I'm, I'm learning to, maybe I'm a teenager now. Maybe I've matured a little bit, you know, and, uh, but yeah, wow. I, I get that so much. I really do. It's funny you say that. It, it was a fellowship I did a couple of meetings in. Is it adult ch- children of alcoholics? Mm. Like, is it mm. ACA it's yeah. called? Yeah. Yeah. ACA, yeah. Yeah. Have you guys yeah. ever been in any of those meetings? No. I, 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 heard, I think about it. No, yes. no, but the, the reason I'm in this fellowship is I have a good friend who was in ACA and, uh, for quite a couple of years before I came to this fellowship and he was like, Stuart, you need to get to a, you know, well, he didn't say you need to get a 12 step program. And he's like, uh, I was like, oh, I don't think it's going to help. It's religious. And he's like, I'm an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> like, you believe in God at least, you know, you get, get you know, and it's like, and uh, yeah, it, it, it really, it really helped actually. So, yeah. So you, but you know that feeling when you come into the essay and you sit down and be like, oh, all my friends are in this room telling me my story. This is great. Mm-hmm. It, I went to an ACA meeting and I had the same feeling all over again after being in the essay for a while. And then it's suddenly it's, oh, this is where the problem starts. But then essay where it comes out. And I, it was with another fellow. I We bought the ACA workbook. It's like this 150-page workbook where you're supposed to color and do all that sort of stuff you do as a kid. I came 10 pages and I'm like, I can't deal with this. This is too intense. And I, I called him. And he was like, yeah. where in the book you at? And it's about 10 pages in as well. And you have well, to draw coloring. 
of coloring? No, you, no, no, no. It's you read about ten pages. You got to color that book, right? What did it look like? What is it? What did it look like when you were a kid or something of the sort? Oh, okay, uh, okay. okay. And right, you, right. you start, and I can't remember what the prompt is specifically, but we both came to the same place. We're like, this is more difficult than the essay because now we're touching upon really? the core. Wow. And uh, yeah, it's tangential to emotional sobriety, but it does affect it nonetheless. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's um, because uh, we, we learn to deal with emotions or not deal with emotions when we're children, you know, and, and uh, yeah, I, I've heard some very deep things about ACA and, and about how, and, and, and I'm, I mean, CODA's, CODA's quite similar. It goes very, very deep, but it's a very loving fellowship, you know, um, mm-hmm. SA, SAA, it's sort of more big booky. It's it's loving, but it's sort of like you've got a problem. Go and work on yourself, mate. You're the problem. You know, you, you stop being mm-hmm. selfish. Go and help someone. Whereas Coder or ACA might say, "Love yourself." You know, put your own needs first. And um, so, yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I could qualify, Chris, but for ACA, I mean, I definitely could, but uh, I'm sort of a bit busy at the minute with the other ones. Yeah, you know, the other <laughs> four or five. <laughs> but I could, yeah, yeah, definitely, and. and um, you're going wonderful. to get addicted to fellowships, Dave. If, uh, yeah. yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, that would be one. I, I need to go to Addictive Addicts Anonymous, yeah, Addictive yeah. Fellowships Anonymous. Addictive AFA. 12-step program, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, to, to, be, to be fair, I think I, I, I put as, I was told that if I put as much effort into my recovery as I did to my acting out, then, I'd, you know, I kind of, I, mm, I, would, mm. I, would, I, would, I would find recovery eventually. I wasn't told exactly that, but it was, it was indicated. Yeah. And I do think I was addicted to recovery for a while and uh, and and it, and it was it had to, I, I made it my life you yeah. know because when you want to die and you, well, and you don't you don't want to die because of your kids yeah. it's like I'll just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it and it sounds a bit morbid but that's that's where yeah. the shame got for me yeah. that shame is, is was huge Whew. and uh and that comes with a lot of secrets as well you know and and mm. you know an emotional sobriety today I don't have any secrets I have zero secrets like I like mm. none and I, and I never, I thought I'd go to the grave with my secrets, you know, I, I really did. I was convinced I did. And, and, um, and that, that, you know, no wonder I acted out when I was in all that shame and secrecy. I mean, it, it makes mm. sense to me now. It didn't at the time. Yeah. It's, it, it, it is. Well, one of the things I have really kind of, I think, taken, taken from you, which I think you model and exemplify really well is, um, you, you you kind of fit your life around your program rather than you fit your program around what other stuff is in your life and, and i think that's i think it's the right way around isn't it you know there's these other phrases which is you know whatever you put second to recovery you lose and you know other kind of similar sentiments i think but um and, and i've tried to kind of do that because I, I remember you know <laughs> when we first connected of just the volume of stuff and i'm like oh my you know, Jesus, this is a, this is a part-time job, you know, and I've got a full-time <laughs> job and kids as well. And it's like, how am I, how am I going to do all this stuff? And, um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, kind of come, comes first, but what have you, would you say there is, how, how would you say the different fellowships that you've been ex, ex, experienced, uh, or exposed to, how do they look at do you, do you, how do they look at emotional sobriety? Do they all look at them in the same way or, or similar ways? I'm guessing not, right? And and maybe an SAA to SAA or sorry, SA to SAA and you know, CODA, they, they have a different view of emotional sobriety or a different yeah. emphasis, maybe. Yeah, they, they do to be honest. They're, they're quite they're quite different, but I guess it all leads back to the same thing. There might be different terminologies or you know, it it's basically, you know, triggers. You know, so in code, it will be a relationship trigger, 
you know that that will affect my emotional sobriety you know in in my food it'll be a it'll be a food trigger you know uh, you know i'm fantasizing about having that certain thing i can't eat anymore you know and uh so see so, and and then obviously in 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 the, in the sex and the lust one it, you know it's it, it could be a number of emotional triggers or physical fit triggers as well so yeah it's it, it's really any 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 triggers that undealt with triggers you know are gonna are gonna take me down eventually mm. And, um, and, and and within that, I'm guessing so there's, there's there's probably like a class of or a set of the things that are triggering to to go act out, whether whether it's through drugs or binge eat or you know uh, you know act out sexually um, or you know drugs and alcohol. And then I'm guessing there's there's probably other ones which might be you know as you, as you point to emotional ones, right? Of feelings of and and you know something again we you know we we've talked a lot about and really kind of resonates with me is. Um, you know, you, you, I think you said, you know, when, when you're getting triggered for you, it's, it's often been fear and resentment based. And, yeah. and, and, and are those the core kind of, you know, emotional sobriety triggers that, that you would kind of point to? Fear, resentment and shame. Absolutely. Those are the three mm-hmm. that they, they kind of drive my addict really. Yeah. And when, when I'm in any of those, I'm not emotionally in a good place. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I guess you could you could almost like say could you say if you are in a in a place of fear or resentment or shame you're not you can be abstinent um, but you're you're not emotionally sober. That's it. I, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 abstinent. I'm not I'm abstaining from my physical you know whatever's but mm. I, I am I am not emotionally sober and, and that undealt with. Well, just it's, yeah. it's very dangerous. Yeah, it's okay to 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 accept what's going on. But but to harbour that and, and nurture it, which I've done in the past, it's very dangerous. But yeah, th- those are those are. There's no way for my higher power to come in when, when I'm in any of those places unless I do some actions because I, I like to solve things in my head and uh, this this stuff I, I just cannot solve. It's like a Rubik's cube; I'll never be able to solve it. <laughs> just to ask you, Dave, your sobriety time—that's then based on your f- abstinence, right? Not your emotional sobriety, because that sounds like it comes and goes. Yes, yes, exactly right, Chris. Yeah, my, my sobriety. There is actually a fellowship called Sex and Porn Addicts Anonymous, which I've been to, and they have two definitions of sobriety. One is, uh, which is interesting, one is their physical sobriety, mm-hmm. and the other one is, is what they call an edging sobriety, which we would call emotional mm. sobriety. So, yeah, they, they, and so in meetings, they declare both dates. So it's interesting, wow. interesting. Yeah, I've that, done a few meetings there. That sounds really hard to define. Like it, it is yeah. an emotional state because my mind can yeah. like well well but it's it's interesting to just draw attention to it in the first instance. Yeah, it is, um, it is difficult to get that edging sobriety definition. It's whew, yeah, it's a big one, Matt. I, I didn't really get my head around it to be honest because I was I maybe did six or seven meetings, but it's mm. it's it's a really good idea because it's stopping people being dry drunks, I guess. You know. Well, well, and I guess that's why you know you, you do a step ten inventory as well because you're yeah. reflecting on your emotional. You're reflecting yeah. on your emotional sobriety. You're reflecting on your emotional state. How am I behaving? Am I thinking of myself? Am I am I resentful? Am I fearful? Mm. Have I been loving to people? Am I thinking about myself? You know, th- those are yeah. the things that I think. Yeah, interesting. Because I, I remember, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fess up here. Where, when when I you know you first had me doing these kind of like daily inventories as like, and I and at the 1990 and all that type of stuff. It's like, well, ho- hopefully, like you know, because you did say, well, you know, the program deheats a little bit after the first kind of, you know, there's not the volume of actions in the first three months. It's like, yeah, I'm going I'm to drop this shit. I'm going to drop this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, <laughs> this, uh, this. Like, I'm not getting any value out of this at all. But actually, um, mm. 
yeah, it, you have to do it for a little while to kind of see the value of it. You have to, A, you have to get, you have to sober up a little bit so you can think and see yeah. clearly a bit better. Mm-hmm. And also then to just to see how, how stuff teases out. And some days it's, you know, it's fairly benign and it's not there. And, and then other days, like, you know, today was just like a load of stuff coming out, just like not in a good place. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that, and I think that's why um, it's, it's important for me when I, when I maybe take somebody through, you know, the 12 steps and, and cause it is a commitment from both sides. It's not just sponsor, it's sponsor. And I, I, I ask, you know, are, are you willing to be, uh, are you willing to take suggestions? Um, are you willing to be completely honest with yourself and others? Um, and, um, there is a third one, which has completely skipped my mind now, but yeah, I think it's that, it's that taking suggestions. Cause I, I think when, when any of us are new to recovery, we're, we're not, we're not used to taking like doing this daily stuff. I mean, what, 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 I don't have to do this daily stuff. I just want to start watching porn. Why do I have to do like step 10 inventories and, and stuff like that? And, and it's a real, mm-hmm. it's a real surrender thing uh, because the addict doesn't want to do any of that. The addict wants to just do what it wants. And it's, it's impossible to see that at the start, I think for any of us. And it's only in hindsight, as, as Chris said earlier, you know, you look back and think, ah, oh, I get it now. I get, I get it now. And it yeah, is. So well, well yeah. you know, it's just so easy just to have, you know, and, and you, you know, we've, kind of phrases before it's like you know have a, have, a, have a stewy day under the duvet and just you know, <laughs> and, you know watch watch trash tv and just you know you know just relax and you know and you, you know we've talked about this before it's just you know the, the odd day like that is fine but if you do if that then becomes your routine then that that's you know probably not emotional sobriety and you're, you're going to be trending into you know perhaps some destructive things and you know it was interesting in one of your kind of you know one, one of the check-ins we had recently of just you know, it wasn't wasn't acting out stuff, but it was just indulging in, you know, noise. You know, like you know, kind of binging on YouTube or that kind of type stuff. You know, and that that's again, it's like I, I've one of the things that I find is really great is the kind of the uh, is the richness of the kind of the check ins because I you know when when I started checking stuff in, it was felt it was about lust. I only would check lust in. But actually, it's not about that. I check in fear, and I check in resentments, and I check in shame, or I, and you know, and and you and some other kind of you know uh, other people who you've you've spon- you know who you sponsored through the program who I'm connected with, or will check in all sorts of stuff of like you know I'm just in a really you know the the emotional middle circle stuff, and I think that is really really working your program at that stage. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I think telling on our, telling on myself a lot, you know, it's it's a good thing. My the addict doesn't want me to tell myself. It, it's very prideful and stubborn and secretive. Um, so when I when I tell on myself, it's a my recovery gets a bit of a boost, and my my addict gets uh, you know loses a few points. And um, I tell on myself all the time. I told on myself earlier today with you, Stu. You know about something that was going on, and you know, and, and my ego's like, I don't need to tell a sponsor that. You know, that's my ego speaking. But my recovery is like, yeah, you, you need to, it's exactly what you need to do. You need to be vulnerable with your sponsor and say, hey, I, I'm having a, you know, I, I've, I've indulged in, in some in some non-sexual videos uh, and just some, some boxing things, but it, but it was two and a half hours. And, and then mm. I found that I was, I was sort of, you know, the addict was on me more today, you know, and, um, mm. and, and I, I, I need to own that and say, so I deleted that particular, you know, that app, which um, was, was and, uh, and it's off my phone now and, it's just the recovery that you can you can connect those two things yeah. as well. Like I, as I'm hearing you talking, it's just the fact that you've connected that you were watching mm-hmm. kind of some you know some kind of you know, UFC kind of boxing kind yeah, of videos and, and binged on them, and and then connected that with other triggers within 
you know, other addictions. Like the fact that you've got that transparency and that awareness and insight is just incredible, I think. Well, it's, 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 it's um, the scrolling element was a big part of my acting out. And the searching element was a big part of my acting out. And it's I, and, the chase, and, isn't it? The chase. Yeah, that's it. You know, like that, that stimulation. And so it, it, without realizing it, I, I was lusting over it and it was, I wasn't sexually lusting, but I, I was, I was, I was lusting over it. And, um, you know, I tried, I said, I said to myself, I'll come off at half 12 when it was five past one when I came off it, you know, so that tells me. And, uh, I recognize that. <laughs> I definitely yeah. recognize that behavior. <laughs> So it's it's and and that's um that's okay as long as I I'm honest about it and I can declare that in my step eleven tonight with my sponsor which I will and I've told somebody else as well you know I won't go to bed with that secret and um, the main thing is doing actions around it so I'm not working a perfect program but but what I, when I realise I'm I, I'm I'm you know I I'm doing something which isn't helping my recovery it's then my responsibility to do something about it and I do that I don't always see it you know immediately. But when I do see it, that's when I can tell on myself. And it's one of the most important things I've learned. Just keep telling on yourself, Dave, because um, you, you bring in, you bring in your, 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 um, your hidden things out. Mm. You know, you bring, you're, you're being vulnerable and asking for help. And that, that doesn't come easy for me, but it's getting easier now. The more I do, it's how like you, a muscle at work. How yeah. do you, um, you, 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 you no, questions kind of coming to my mind around how, how far do you take this? Because... That there was something, and I can't remember exactly what it was now. I think I was doing a step ten not too not too long ago, and I I shared it with you, and I fully expected you to kind of go, yeah, you know, you kind of you know need to, and and actually you gave completely the opposite response, which was mm. maybe you know maybe, maybe you're being a bit hard on yourself, here, Stu, and just cut yourself. I, I think it was something I'd been a little bit short with with some of my, one of my kids and things like that, and I got really annoyed that they'd done something and you know damaged something in the house, and you were like you're a human being just you know go easy on yourself um because because you've you're taking um a really strong stance of you know about not letting your ego and your addicts kind of stay in control and like you know bashing it down a bit but i guess that could also become destructive and shameful and judgmental and like how do you, how do you do that with care and compassion and how do you how do you navigate the balance between the two because that seems mm -hmm. quite, quite challenging it's called CODA. I wasn't, I wasn't able to do that before going to right. CODA. You know, CODA has taught me that relationships is also about the relationship with myself. And I was like, what? I can have a relationship with me? I didn't, I didn't know that. Honestly, I didn't, I didn't know that. I, it just never occurred to me. And um, it, it's, made, it's, it's really helped me become more loving and, and value myself more. I'm not like going to go on this big hippie vibe. Yeah, man, I'm like, you know, but it, it's, it's true, you know, the, because the shame, the shame levels in this particular fellowship is are for me have just been you know suicidal sort of stuff and um code is the opposite of that and as i bring more sort of acceptance and love into my own program I, I can then see when somebody else is being that and they're not they're not seeing that themselves you know and i can kind of say maybe maybe this could be another angle you could look at you know i think if, if i'm doing that all the time and i'm pampering to everybody then that that's my codependency there and that's actually not a healthy thing you know because i'm being people pleasing too nice i have to be honest and honesty can also be loving. Mm. It doesn't have to be always have to be difficult. You know, it can be loving as well. Um, so I guess if I'm being honest, then however that looks is okay as long as I'm being honest. You know, and um, do you, yeah. Interesting. Do do you have do you have things like people pleasing then in your middle circle or um, being judgmental with yourself? Do you have those kind of types of things in your middle circle? You know what? I I actually I actually don't. You know. 
I actually don't, but they, 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 they could do with being in there because mm. when I'm in those, I'm engaging in those defects and shortcomings. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm emotionally me- a little mm. bit messed up. So absolutely. I, but I don't have those particular ones in there, no. But they could mm. do well do with being in there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Or not being able to say no, you know? Saying yes, <laughs> but meaning no. <laughs> you know, that's a big one of mine. Yeah, right. You know, just I meant no, but I've just I've just said yes. I mean, and then that leads to that leads to resent resentment at two people, the other person and themselves. So yeah, that's a big one. You look like you have a question, Chris. I kind of do. I kind of do, but also thinking length there because um, it's couple of things you, you mentioned which are quite interesting first of all it's you know how do you sit in the human condition how do you actually s- sit with being human when everything about being human is is unpermanent right you can't find a state of mind which you can stay in forever you're always going to fluctuate into places where you know maybe things don't feel good and where you get hard on yourself for not feeling good because maybe you did so well yesterday but today just because you're you because you're human things don't feel good and you give yourself shit for it um i do that quite often i see my therapist calls that a calls it out for me it's because it's you know there's so much stuff as long as you don't do anything wrong in the world there's so much that could just be water under the bridge just let it go because no one got harmed everything's fine everything's good you know maybe you didn't do great but everything's fine that was just one thing popped into my mind the the second one was in terms of people pleasing i remember when i me my wife went to our first marriage counseling session after my disclosure coming into the saa the first thing the therapist noticed was, you guys people please a lot, don't you? With each other. We were sitting there like giving each other compliments back and forth on what the other was saying. And if you look at our sessions now, they're completely the opposite. It's like we're, we, for an hour, we're a full on war. And then afterwards, we come together because we, we didn't quite know. Do you know, how do you actually tell people how you feel without, I, can I actually trust that I don't have to manage other people's feelings? I didn't know that was a thing, that I didn't have to make sure that you did. You're okay after you leave here. Actually, mm-hmm. as long as I'm nice, I need to let you have your own feelings. Uh, just these thoughts that was kind of coming back and forth. Not, made, not massive questions, really. Just thoughts that's yeah. coming from a good conversation. It, it, it is. It's like um, me and Stuart chatting earlier, and it's about um, sort of realizing over time that, that, that I can take on other people's stuff. You know, and, and actually, it's not, it's not, it's none of my business. It, it, it's not my, it's not my stuff. I, I, it, I need to look after my own stuff. And it's like, wow. I mean, I, I think I'm sort of an empath in some ways. I take on other people's energy, and I really feel it, and yeah. I, I bring it on as my own. And it's very harmful because it's none of my it business. Is. It is. Not, it really feeds you know? into higher power, doesn't it? Like you're, you're allowed to give it away. You don't have to deal with it. That's yeah. too big yeah, for it's you. Huge, isn't it? Yeah, it, yeah. literally. It's like, a massive burden lifted. It's massive. It is. Yeah, because. I can't even look after myself, never mind <laughs> somebody else that I think is going on. I don't even know it's going on. It's something I think is going on in them. You know, it's, it's all this. Do you know why thing. I think that is? Because especially for me, I don't want to sip with myself sometimes. Like some days I don't want to deal with myself. So is it easy to deal with others? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't like, I don't love my company always. I don't know about you guys, but some days I just don't want to be in it. Yeah. That's where the pain is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, again, I, I mean, I've been in sort of three and a half years in, in program and um, I just didn't know what self-love was and I didn't, I didn't want to sit with myself. And, and now, and again, um, I, I just can't speak highly enough for CODA. It's, something changed in me in CODA. 
um, around a relationship with myself and um, I see it in my mum, you know, bless her, because she, she can't be on her own. She can't be without a gadget. She, she's always, she's 75, 76, and she's always flicking through something, you know, and she, she just can't sit there for, for five minutes and just sit there without, you know, you can just see it, you can see her mind working. I love my mum and you just think, oof. And um, it's not like that as much as it used to be for me. It was like that every day. It's not like that every day anymore. Is that a bit of codependence that you can't, is that what codependence is, that you can't be on your own, you're always attached to something else? Because I thought it was you kind of latch onto your partner's emotions, for example, your friends. Yeah, it, it, it isn't, to be honest, Chris. It's more, I think it's more that she's probably could sit in some of our rooms, my mum, you know, around around escaping with distractions. So yeah. for her, it might be technology. She might be in a technology yeah. fellowship, you know, for constantly uh, being stimulated by news or, you know, YouTube or whatever. So, yeah, I can see that. And she's definitely a food addict as well. I can see that. And she's always mm. on and off the diet and things, bless her. But, yeah, codependency is very much, um, whew, it's very, yeah, it's, it's a monster, really, to, to kind of describe. But it's how I relate to others and how, how I how they relate to me and and how I take on their stuff or don't but but that's probably there's probably a million different explanations I'm I'm a baby with this stuff mate I really am I I mean as you're saying it I'm kind of recognizing that I mean for for me there's one one of my biggest fears and certainly I kind of find as I work through a step four is uh, I have this big fear of just not being good enough and not being accepted and not being worthy and um and so, uh, yeah, as you guys talk about people pleasing, like that's kind of what I want to do. I want to try and do something or be a certain way so that I'll then be accepted right? and mm. and then it will be okay. And uh, yeah, I just find that really. And and, and I think, you know, for, for me, you know, sex addiction is kind of how it came out. But it's like, that's a really deep rooted thing that I just could not rip out of myself. So just, you know, just go numb it out and um you know, and it kind of gets to it, but you know, I'm thinking I'm going to go my, my look up code. The, I'm going to do two things. Tonight. I'm going to send Chris my step ten. So Chris, you're going to you're going to see what step ten. Looks <laughs> Excellent. Like. Um, yeah, and then uh, and then uh, and then I'm going to look at the, I'm going to look at code. I think tonight. you've got a step ten partner now, Chris. There you go. <laughs> Do you know that's a good one. thing about be like knowing Stu in the fellowship because he also introduced me to the DSR calls. So it's getting, yeah. and I notice that every week when we like having those mm. kind of structured calls where you work through things, incredibly helpful, more so than a lot of other fellowship calls. Because I, people please, I give, I give the microphone away on fellowship calls. I'll mm. sit for two hours a day listening to other people talk. So it's nice to have that opportunity. I, I got to fess up. That was another one I wanted to ditch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't like these DSL calls. I like they're all a bit mechanical, and I want to change the questions around. And now, love, I wouldn't change a thing. It's like, no, they're structured in a particular way for a reason. Yeah, they're really, they're really, they're really recovery focused. Actually, we, we should do a session on DSR calls. I think at some point because yeah. uh, they're such a good tool. And and that that's not come from SA. That came from Sexaholics. Came from anonymous. SA. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. anonymous. Wonderful, mm. wonderful tool. And um, I think you've highlighted first you about. Um, when, when any of us are new to recovery, you know, we, we're used to doing things we want to do, all of us. I know I was, but those things become very, became very destructive and I, I couldn't get myself out of lots of situations. And it's doing the things we don't want to do that, that seems to, it's like the opposite. I had it the opposite way around, you know, and, and um, I think, I think, I think what you, you know, for, for me to just keep doing it regardless of what was going on 
was 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 yeah. what's giving you know anyone the recovery you know it's almost like oh I, i'm hating doing this this isn't the right thing to do mm. it's exactly mm. the right thing to do but it just doesn't oh. look like it that's <laughs> They say every meeting, isn't it? Like keep coming back, it works. And the days yeah. that doesn't make sense. That's the day you need to come back. Yeah, I, I I had a fellowship call with someone the other day, and he was saying, you know, so we got into we got into the program at a similar period of time, and um, he he struggled a little bit more with his sobriety, and he we had a connected a couple of weeks ago. And it was like, so what, you know, and he asked me, so what what was it that really kind of clicked for you? And I was like, you know what, I just I just you know, first of all, I'm a little bit older, well, quite a bit older, so. I don't think you could judge it just by how when you came into the fellowship because I actually have another two decades of just screwing it up, like of just you know. So I'm you know I I don't think we're at the same you know time exposed for starters. So I don't think it's a good benchmark. And comparing ourselves in insides to our the outsides of others is you know not not something that helps. But the the other thing was just I I hit such a rock bottom that. I completely knew I had zero idea how to solve this problem because I'd spent 30 years trying to solve it and just was out of options, just so out of options. And it just got worse. And so I just and I just came into this program and was like, I have not got a single clue. I've not got one iota that, uh, that I know how to do anything uh, and get myself sober. Absolutely none. So whatever someone tells me, I'm just going to do it. Like and because I just I I've proven to myself over thirty years that I don't know what I'm talking about and and I think just that that helped and you told me to do stuff and I remember you saying you know should you get the blue book I'm like not an alcoholic Dave and she's like yeah yeah you, you, you sure you mean the I've got the green book it's like no the blue book and I'm like okay you, you sure the yeah okay I'll get the blue book so you know just just that surrender of just like I don't know what I'm doing I'm just gonna do as you tell me I think just really helped me yeah. I, th I think the way our line of sponsorship is um, it very quickly weans out people who are ready and people who aren't, you know, and that's not a judgment. It's just how, how you know, it's just, uh, it's very, very, you know, it could look very intense. You know, it's a meeting a day, it's daily actions, um, oh, yeah. but yeah. there's not a lot of room for the addict, you know, and, and, and doing all those, all those actions daily, there's not a lot of room for that old way of thinking to come in. And that's the idea of it, you know, and it does scare, scare some people off. It really yeah. does. And, and that's oh, okay. it scared you the know, heck out of me for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the difference then between not making time for your addict, as in I am just going to be so busy that I can't act out, and actually getting sober? What's the difference here? Well, doing 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 the actions for me is, is the only thing that's going to get me sober. So so by you know by doing the actions, I'm kind of saying to my to the universe, which is my higher power. I want to get sober here, so I'm going to do these actions, and then and then higher power can can work through. Um, if I'm if I'm just thinking about doing the actions, then there's nothing changes, you know. And I've been there before, you know. I've been there, and um, oh. so it's it's always I always wanted to be able to sit on the couch and and, and feel good after solving the problem, but I've learned in recovery, um, it's the action after the action, then I feel good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I wanted to feel good before the action. I just wanted to think and feel good. It, it just didn't work. So kind of both are true at the same time. Like, first of all, you're so busy, your addict doesn't have a place. But also since you are so busy, your addict doesn't really have a place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's, it is an action-based program. And actually, you, you said there were three questions. The, the, the third question um, was, am I willing to do anything to, to get sober? There you go. Yes, and, Thank you, and, it, and it was a ton of actions, and yeah, it is, yeah. Did you write on the first page of the AA book that you're willing to do anything, Stu? 
I don't think I have. So I, with I should with my previous sponsor, I we did this on the first page. You write, "I'm willing to do anything," kind of like a statement to yourself. But still, every now and then, when I look look at that first page, it's like, "Well, I got to do more." Like, there's new layers here. There's always more, right? So what is being willing to do anything? I feel like that also changes. Uh, yeah, I'm willing to do the program. Fine. Right. But am I willing to dig deeper? I'm will, probably more willing tomorrow than I am today because I have been digging deeper. Yeah. it's Well, you know, I kind of always remind myself of the second line of that serenity prayer, which is the courage to do the courage to change the things we can. Mm. You, you don't you don't have to do, you know, I... I you know, you can always chuck more in and, you know, you could say, well, yeah. you know, I have to make 20 fellowship calls a day, whatever it is. I, I don't <laughs> think that's the point. I think it's, are you willing to do whatever it takes to get sober? And that includes having the courage to do stuff when you don't want to do it. Like, you know, as Dave, I think, you know, Dave said really well is that I, as an addict, I had it the wrong way around. I wanted to feel better without doing the action. It's like, no, it doesn't go that way. You've got to do the action to make yourself to, to get into a place of recovery to feel good. It doesn't do it without action. I can't think myself out my way out of this problem. I've been trying to think my way out of it for 30 odd years. Yeah. Actions take me out of it. And I and I do actions which bring me closer to my higher power and then my higher power acts through me, through those actions to, to keep me sober. Um, so it's not me that keeps me sober, it's my higher power and it's the tools and the actions just move me towards and, and allows my higher power to to act and keep me sober. Yeah, that surrender is a big one, isn't it? You know, um, it, it really is. Mm. It's. Uh, I think I think there's a line in the big book about you know none none of us wanted to, to to do all this out of our own free will. None of us willingly mm. got thought. Okay, then I'll you know I'll just crack on with it. We all had different levels of resistance, you know, because oh, running life on self will, you know, and um, is is is, and then all of a sudden having to do you know, completely different things and talk about higher power and, and pray and say, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, and um, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that, you know, some some, some people, they don't get, they, they, they can't get past that and they, they can't get sober, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not judgment. It's just that they, it's just something about the word God and they, they just, you know, they're, they're, got, they're gone and um, I'm grateful I was able to see that, you know, for me, it was the, it was my, my sponsor at first and it was the group, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I just thought, I'll do anything to get sober. If you, if you have to talk about God, that's fine. I do not want to be here anymore. So it is a bit ego-based, isn't it? Going into fellowship saying, I don't want God. I don't want this. Yeah. It's like, well, why does that hurt so much? Just say it. It's fine. Just say the words. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's, the, 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 the addict is running the show there, but it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's portraying itself as, I'm not doing that because it's God, you know, and it's like, well, that's the denial. denial if that's all it's going to cost to feel better, I mean, that's a small price to pay. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's free. It costs yeah. you a little bit of air, a little bit of breath. Exactly. That, that's it. But the, but sometimes the addict is so strong, isn't it? It can just block, it can put them blockers in place. And um, whew, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm great. I mean, I, I got brought up as a strat, quite a strict Christian and I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the black sheep of my family. I'm not religious at all. You know, and I, I've got, I'm still working on my hang-ups around religion and, and I'm becoming mm-hmm. more loving towards it. But I, I just, um, when I was told a higher power can be anything other than you, that that was good enough for me. Yeah. You know, didn't have to choose anyone else's conception of God. And uh, that, that I, I thought I'm going to embrace that because if, if this man's saying he's two years sober and I can't get two minutes or two hours, mm-hmm. then I'm, whatever he's doing, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, and he's, he's still my sponsor now, you know, and wow. And he was brought up as a strict Catholic and, and he's the black white sheep of his family. You know, it's just how, it, how it's worked out, you know. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, I, I digress there slightly, but I get that. Yeah, I definitely get that. 
Well, um, I think guys, we're we're over our normal hour, but Dave, it has been um, it's been an absolute privilege to to have you on, and I think we have to we'll have to have you back again um, because I think we could talk for another another hour and a half easily, I think as well. So, uh, thank you, thank you so much for coming on and and yeah. and, and sharing with us. It's, it's yeah, it's been great, and uh, I've learned I've learned tons. We 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 talk a lot anyway, but um, uh, yeah, I, I've learned loads tonight uh, today. So th- thank you so much. Yeah, thank you again for having me, and really, really great, great job you guys are doing. I, I had to take your um, you off my Spotify because my son sometimes listens to Spotify, and he knows he knows <laughs> yeah. about my other fellowship, but not this one. And he's yeah. only eleven, but it's, yeah. it's a fantastic, no, you know, um, it's a fantastic service you're doing, and um, because it's incorporates all all fellowships, you know, you can get mm-hmm. different people listening, and it, it's not sort of swinging. Well, you know, it's not sort of. Any any addict will be able to identify, I think, and um, and I, I know it's SAA sort of predominantly, but it's it's addiction, it's it's emotional yeah. disturbances, it's working the steps, it's it's sobriety yeah. recovery, and it's a wonderful job. So thank you both for um, the work you're wow. doing, and I, I think it's just great. And um, you know, service is a big one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think it's really really good. So keep it up. And thanks for having me on here. Yeah, thank nice you, to Dave. meet you, Chris, as well. Nice to meet you too, Dave, and thank you. Yeah. Okay. Take care, guys. Take care. See you soon. Next time. God bless. Take care. Have a good night. Bye.